Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hello everyone, Kristen here. We are doing a The Healing Room show and we have the wonderful and amazing Martha Jiknowski with us. Hi Martha. Hi Kristen, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay. It's a long weekend. Um, we were just talking about a lack of sleep because I've got a new puppy and so I'm sleeping in two-hour shifts to make sure that we have fewer accidents on the carpet. <laughs> so I'm a little tired. You know, it, it, it's really interesting because I look at having a puppy as being almost equivalent to having a newborn baby because they pee on everything. <laughs> yes, but puppies don't generally <laughs> wear a diaper. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, well, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll prop your eye, eyelids open if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, why couldn't I get a diaper? There are doggy diapers. I could actually you know, do that. Why not? Well, I think that's um, uh, something that, and, and you are a fantastic entrepreneur. I think you should look into that. You probably make a billion dollars. <laughs> well, they exist. Cause I know we had a, we had doggy diapers for, um, my little Shiba Inu, but uh, that was really more for when they're that when they go in heat, a female dog. But anyway, I'm I'm oh, just sitting here yeah. thinking, why couldn't I put my puppy in diapers? We do it with human children. I and then you take it off when you take them out. So I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about this because I do need my yeah. sleep. And this show that we're doing is about. Uh, people who <laughs> do a lot for others, uh, people that are in the healing um, arts or healing profession, and uh, what happens when you, um, as the person that's helping facilitate healing for others, um, what happens when you need healing and kind of, you know, how good are we at that? Um, and, you know, all of what that entails. So I'm glad that you wanted to talk about this today because it's not something that I mean, we're the, we're usually, I'm not putting myself in the same category as you, but, um, but you know, we, when you do a lot for other people, you do have to know how to take care of yourself. Otherwise you're, you can only go on your own right. uh, gas for so long before it then, you know, you're, you're running on empty and you're still trying to do a lot for other people. Yeah. And that, that leads to not, not doing well at it anymore. Well, before we go any further, let me just address something that you just said. Um, you know, you are a healer. And I think that um, there are many, many people out there who are healers, but because they're not doing Reiki or quantum touch or what it, one of the other modalities, they don't feel as though they're healers. And I want to lay that myth to rest. Because let me promise you something, um, you know, the cashier behind the uh, counter at Walmart can be as big a healer as anybody else. And um, I met a wonderful woman um, who was checking me out at Walmart. And she, she got me on a day when I was feeling very 
uh, emotionally vulnerable. And that gal just sent me out that door feeling so much better. And I'm telling you, she's a healer. You're a healer. There are people listening to this program who are healers. Just because I do it exclusively for a living, this is how I make my living, does not make me any more special than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I want people to understand that, really understand that. You know, that, that you can go throughout your day and give somebody a smile and that can be the difference between despair and hope in, in the person you smile at. I've seen it happen. So we all are healers. Some of us just do it more uh, purposefully than, than others. I do this on, a, on an almost daily basis and I earn my living doing it. And, um, you know, I study it. I study all of the modalities and I work on my own inner stuff. So let's just clear that up right now, my friend. You are a profound healer and, mm. and don't let anybody tell you any different because they'll have to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a few people that would disagree with that, but that's fine. Yeah, then, um. well, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's funny. But you know, another thing that I want people to understand also is that, you know, healers, people who call themselves healers, and I don't like calling myself a healer. I, I like what you said, healing facilitator. Um, you know, we are human beings and we are on our own spiritual path. We are on our own uh, path of evolution. And just like how sometimes your path can be very difficult and and very trying so can ours our our lives are uh you know not always easy because we have our own stuff to deal with and um i want to talk about that for a few minutes because i want to burst a bubble that maybe people have you know you we look up to so many Right. Uh, spiritual teachers and people who call themselves healers. Um, you know, we look at them and we go, oh, that's what I aspire to be. You know, I want to be like this one or that one. And please teach me how to be like you. Well, I would like for people to stop that because while these people are, you know, really profoundly, um, adding healing to the world by teaching what they've learned, they're no different from you or me. It's just that we see them in their official role. You know, call it at the end of the day, and I'd be willing to bet you that they go back to their room and go, oh, my God, I can't believe some of those people today. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and they're having the same thoughts as you and I do. They just deal with them differently. And, um, it, you know, my own particular brand of, uh, well, the way I do my work is this, you know, you're having a human experience, let's experience the human experience and not try to run away from the pain, not try to run away from the problem. And, and I think that that is important because there's something very powerful in that experience that can be learned. Right. And, um, you know, as you may or may not know, um, you know, I lost my son a year ago and it was a very difficult and trying uh, situation. And I credit my beliefs for, you know, getting me through it the way I got through it. And I thought, okay, I'm doing all right now. You know, the, the grief and the sadness was, was really, really hard. And, you know, I went back to work and I, you know, uh, started trying to live my life and, and just looking forward all the time. But what I didn't realize was that I was not dealing with my grief. And last week, my husband and I, went to uh we had our son cremated and 
I didn't want to just put him anywhere. I wanted a special place. And we found a place in uh, Western North Carolina where we live that is um, a memorial sanctuary. And it's all natural and it's beautiful and incredible. And um, I had a very, very profound uh, experience uh, with a spirit while I was there. But that's another story. And, you know, selecting, it's so interesting because just selecting a spot to bury my son's remains sent me into a tailspin that I have never experienced prior to this. And I was shocked how it made me feel. And I felt depressed. I felt very full of anxiety. Um, and, and then here comes all of the, uh, you know, self-blaming. Well, you shouldn't feel this way. You know where your son is. Everything's cool. He's good. You just talk to him. Everything's fine. And I started uh, berating myself. And, you know, how can you advise people on spiritual matters when you're feeling so dot, 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 dot. And I spent several days doing that. And, you know, and I texted you. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like, okay, I'm falling off the planet, Kristen. And, you know, um, if you have a little tether, maybe pull me back in a little bit. And you did. But hmm. it was such <laughs> it was such an education because I thought, wow, everything that I learned, everything that I believe, everything that I know, everything that I've given to my clients, where is it for me? And I couldn't right. find it. Right. And, and, you know, now I am on my way back i understand what was happening and and i'm you know in a healing mode and i'm doing okay um and i will uh you know approach this crisis i guess a little bit differently there's something for me to learn here and i'm looking forward to learning it and one of the things that i've learned uh, two things number one is for everybody out there please don't put anybody on a pedestal because it's just not right uh, you know you are a magnificent immortal being in a body look for your own yeah and wonder you know let's uncover who you are Instead of trying to be like someone else, that's their shine. Let's find your shine. Yeah, it's, okay? an, it's an interesting thing. We do it a lot. Obviously, we do it with celebrities and we do it with people. Yeah. Not, you know, not everybody does that. But then, you know, people do it when it comes to, you know, how, how many letters you have after your name or how much yeah. money you have or whatever. And, it, you know, and I'm not any different. I have done, you know, that stuff too. Um, And I don't know if it's an age thing or what it is, but at some point um, something happens when you have done that, where you stop seeing people as one dimensional beings because when they're one dimensional, it's easy to project stuff onto them. Um, They're just a flat screen and you project all kinds of nonsense onto them some of it true some of it not and but there you don't actually see a whole person and i think the older that i get the more i'm you know see a whole person and all right. that all the accoutrements of their of their life don't mean anything other than oh that's interesting they don't i don't project something onto them of how they should be or that they're a nice person because they have this or that i just I've had too many people have all that stuff that are absolutely horrid. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. I've had too many people who don't have any of that stuff who are incredible and vice versa. So maybe it's an age thing that makes you start to not do that anymore as you accomplish your own stuff. I don't know what it is, but um, you know, I I don't, I don't tend to do that as much as I used to. 
Well, I think if you if you have any uh, ability to be self-reflective, when you get to a certain point in your life and you can see that trying to emulate someone else isn't working, then you're going to go, okay, wait a minute, you know, what's not working here? And then you'll start examining um, other ways of, of navigating through your world. But I think the problem, part of the problem is, is that we don't teach our children that they in and of themselves are uh, everything they need to be already. Oh, yeah. You know, let's just, you know, let's just encourage you to be you and teach you that what you are and who you are is absolutely fine, perfect, and enough. Right. And let's learn how to uncover your gifts. And we don't teach that to our children. I know. You know, we sit them, we sit them in front of a television all day, and, and even adults, where everything on television, if you really look at it, is designed to tell you how what, many faults you have right and who you should be that's right and i mean i saw a commercial i almost threw a book at the tv i'm not kidding it was it was a uh, commercial for the solution that will make the whites of your eyes whiter and i thought are you kidding me with this what i'm not kidding i i am not kidding it's an eye drop oh my god and it's a young girl, you know, is the model, and and her eyes looked all right to me. <laughs> but the whole thing was, put these drops in your eyes, and your eye, well, the whites of your eyes will be so much whiter, and therefore you will be more perfect. And this wasn't a hide the fact that you've been smoking marijuana kind of an eye drop thing. It was purely no. about beauty. Oh, that is disturbing. Wow. It's almost as bad you know, as when I, I mean, started hearing about people bleaching their anus. I mean, seriously. <laughs> that is a real that, thing. That one I haven't heard. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, you do that. You well, go to a salon and someone bleaches it for you. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Wow. I hope they get paid well. And waxes it. Um, if you have a hairy arse. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Why? 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 But you see, this is this is so endemic in our culture that you know, if the whites of our eyeballs aren't white enough, then that means that we are inherently faulty. You know, with they're telling people are telling us every day in word and deed that that we are faulty not just wrong but faulty and and when you went okay my lips aren't poofy enough I, they have to look like two inner tubes that are blown up so i better go get that done because really my 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 lips are just terrible and 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 that makes me faulty it's such, it's such a thing with age too especially for women where you yeah. know if you're if you have extra skin if you sag if your neck gets saggy if you yeah or and then weight is another thing and it's so bizarre because i'll sit with my friends that are in their you know early 20s they're half my age and i remember doing this too so i'm not putting them down in any way it's our culture and it's what our culture teaches our mothers you know how to behave so that we pick this stuff up even worse at home but you know, they were all sitting and talking about fatness and people that have a problem with weight and why they're overweight. None of them have ever struggled with weight in their lives. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I, you know, am not that size that they are anymore. And I didn't get offended, but I thought, oh my God, I used to have these conversations like, you know, yeah, in front yeah. of other people and in front of other people who were heavier and how uncomfortable that must have been, you know, for that person. Cause you're not really thinking about that when you're that age right. you're you know right. it's it's just bizarre but all that stuff to do aging and everything as if you should feel bad and i do this i i will apologize for my appearance and i'm like why do i yes. do like yes. who effing yes. cares you know i mean right honestly well because there's a commercial on tv that's telling you the white of your eyes are defective yeah exactly and you're that's and you're, why you're doing and your butt is too stained from all the years of going to the bathroom, I guess. 
honestly, honestly, this is where we've arrived to. Mm. It's it's terrifying to me. Yeah. And you know, so we're dealing, we're swimming in this cultural soup of you know telling you that you are basically you the essence of you is defective so you look for ideals to uh you know live up to if you're a spiritually inclined person you may go after one of the big uh uh, authors out there or you know you may admire some speaker or whatever if you are more superficially inclined you will go after pop culture icons and try to model their behavior and looks and what have you right. um you know and this is why i'm saying you know let's stop for a minute here because let me promise you something, that when you are going through a dark night of your soul, and you're all going to go through it, I don't know anybody who's not, none of that is going to matter. Because when you are experiencing that dark night of the soul, it's you and you alone standing in the middle of a dark room going, what is going on? And there is nobody in that room besides you and if you don't have some kind of good foundation you're going to be running into the walls and really suffering so let's find out who you are let's find out uh you know let's let's look for your beauty and your wisdom and your inherent perfection that may not be you know being displayed in your day-to-day -day world right. but it's there so right and, find that. And, and you may not see it when you look in the mirror because you've been trained to not yeah. see what naturally happens you know to your body as you get older we're trained to see that as ugly we're not trained yeah. to see that as a beautiful thing and i i god i hope there are some cultures left i really do i don't know where they are but i really hope there are some left who haven't been touched by our you know western society and what you know, television and internet access and smartphones yeah. and all that have done where, you know, they still see and respect their elders and see the aging process as something beautiful, not to erase with plastic surgery, you know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, so it, it, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, you know, when you, when you set out on the journey of self-discovery and learning who you are and actually remembering who you are, you're going to come up against all of these things. It's like playing a game of whack-a-mole. You remember whack-a-mole at the, at the um, oh, yeah. uh, fair? Yep. It's, it's like a game of whack-a-mole. You know, oh, here's this thing. I got to fix that. And then and it disappears. And it can be very uh, frustrating. But keep going. You're doing okay. And, you know, so when, when my son died, um, there was nobody I could get mad at because I knew that this was part of uh, his plan. And, you know, my plan is a spirit and a body. I knew we agreed to this. So who am I going to get mad at, right? But there's all of these feelings of anger because my baby was gone. And I had nowhere to put that. So I shoved it inside of myself, right? And the, the way I dealt with that was to go into guilt mode. And I spent a lot of time, and I tell you a lot of time, looking back on my son's life and how I was as a mother and every little thing that I could find that I did wrong to contribute to possibly contribute to his demise I mm. pegged it mm. and I'll tell you I went back to pregnancy <laughs> you know what did I do when I was pregnant that might have you know wow and and so you know all of that energy inside of me you know trying to deal with the loss of my child not just as a mother and as a human but as a spiritual teacher it was it was like this constant battle between humanity and spirituality, humanity and spirituality. 
I couldn't just say, okay, this is a very spiritual thing. I get it. It's not going to affect me. You know, I know what's going on. I understand. I couldn't do that because that wasn't the truth. And so what I'm saying to people is, look, I get it. I know what you're going through and it's okay. And we'll work through this together if they come to me for help. And, and the one thing that, that we're going to do as part of that journey is to learn how to love and accept yourself. Because if you don't accept yourself as you sit right now, even with all the warts and the perceived flaws and everything that you dislike about yourself, you know, the train's going to stop for a little while till you figure that out. And you had spoken to me, um, <laughs> and I would love for you to share this with everybody because sure. it's very important. You'd spoken to me about part of your journey and, and the realization about that. Yeah, and, and listeners who've been listening for a while, you know a little bit about, or well, probably way more than a little bit about kind of what my journey's been the last few years, disconnecting from my mom and uh, taking space and time away to really focus on myself, which really was the first, has been the first time in my life where I've ever lived alone, uh, completely alone. Um, and the first time I'd ever put myself really first and I'll explain what that means in a minute. But I want to, before I get to that, I want to state this journey that you go on because um, everybody experiences pain. I mean, that's just part of yeah. being human, but some of yep. this, you know, the journey to feeling good and the journey to these awakenings and stuff come through unbelievable pain and trauma. <laughs> so, yes, and yes, even yes. though they're, you get these amazing things, I just thought you know, about this today, even though you get these gifts from this trauma that you've been through, if you can get to a place where you can see the gift out of it, you still have to process the actual trauma of the event that brought you to yes, you do. a better place. And that's the part, that's sort of the road that I'm on now is, okay, I'm so glad that this this horrible experience happened that I literally just went through. I'm so glad how I handled it. Uh, it brought healing to other things in my life. And then I got walloped this weekend with the trauma, the physical trauma of the experience that happened. And what's nice is to know, oh, okay, that's why I'm feeling weepy and I'm not feeling so hot and I needed extra sleep and whatever because I really hadn't processed the trauma of what I experienced. So anyway, that's that's a part of the journey as well. So what I um, what I realized is uh, I had a, a situation where it's about as desperate as you could be. Um, be. I was not in the country. I was with a violent. Uh, violently abusive or emotionally abusive um, person that I didn't realize was that way. And I didn't know how the heck I was going to get home. And it right. brought, yeah. And it brought about, um, I, I could have handled the situation in a multitude of different ways. And I know how I would have handled it when I was younger. I would have felt trapped. I would have, um, I would have tried to appease the person and you know, how easy, how easy has anyone ever had appeasing a mean drunk? And I mean, a long time hard drinker when they go yeah. on their mean drunk rampages and then five minutes later act like they've done nothing wrong. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Way. It's like riding the tilt a whirl. Yeah. Yeah. There's, but I know me, I would have tried to, I mean, I've handled, worse. I don't know. This was pretty bad, but anyway, I, um, I would have figured out a way to, I, I would have just felt trapped. And, and at my age now and where I'm at now with how I feel about myself, I went, it took me, um, you know, I guess maybe 16 hours of being in that situation before I went, <laughs> I'm out, I'm out of here. I'm leaving not knowing how the heck I was going to get back into the United States and, um, you know, just not knowing what the heck 
I was going to do. But I'm proud of myself that I never lost my temper, never said anything that I would regret later. I didn't let my emotions take over as this person was doing in such an emotionally violent way. And um, I handled it with dignity, class, and grace and, uh, and left. And guess what? Yes. My butt got home. <laughs> yes, it did. You were a champ for sure. For sure. Uh, Absolutely. And I didn't do the typical, how did you get yourself into this situation? How didn't you know, you see what red flags were you missing? And there were plenty because there always are. And talking to other people that have dealt with this person too, saying, oh, I could have told you. And I'm like, yeah, well, why didn't you? I mean, all that stuff that people like to tell you later. Yeah. But right. the thing that I, I learned in that was um, some really great healing. A healing came about with my mother out of it. I looked at it. Sorry, I'm giving a longer explanation than we had discussed, Martha. No, no, please, please. I feel like it's an important thing. It, it made me think of my mom because um, she's been that emotionally violent, but she's not a drunk, um, never, never has been. So I was able to put my relationship and the problems that I've had with her into a different perspective. Um, now, while yeah. I'm not saying it's okay for anyone to behave in that way to another person, regardless of they're your mom or not, I could see why um, that happens with a mother or a father or whatever, because there's context is there. You have this long relationship with someone and there's all the family stuff and there's a family history of abusive behavior and it goes from family to family to family. And, you know, and so when my mother has behaved that way and um, it, it made sense, I went, okay, I, I could, I wasn't making an excuse for it, but I could go, okay. And I can not continue a family pattern of just cutting family members out because I don't want to do that. Um, like had been done by plenty of other women in our family um, where you just yeah. don't speak to your parent ever again. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. That doesn't make me better. My mom did what she felt she could do at the time that she did it. And that was her path. And my path is, is different, but it doesn't, you know, make it better. It just is different. So anyway, so we had a healing out of this situation. And it also helped me to see this other person who I'm not related to. I barely know um, do not have, I've, I met once in person for a very short period and go, okay, that situation is not okay. I see no excuse. There's nothing, there's no family history of conflict, nothing. That was just completely wrong in every, every possible way. So in that way, it, it helped me put some things into context, not take something on as my fault, which in no way was my fault and um and then come home and process what had happened and you know deal with it and so on and i had a week after it happened i had a moment where a sunday where all day that day i was really um i wasn't ripping myself apart but i was doing a, a moral inventory of myself and i was oh very, boy oh uh, yeah it was it was a in other I, words you were walking through a minefield yeah i was walking through a minefield <laughs> i wasn't i started early in the morning and i did it all day long but it was different from every other time i've done something like that and the difference was that this person that i'm taking a moral inventory of is someone that i really love and respect that being me and i've never felt that way about myself before so every other time that I would take a moral inventory, I felt a tremendous amount of shame and like I was a horrible person that didn't deserve to live and blah, 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 blah. And it made me think of AA and why Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, has you do one of the 12 steps. I don't know which step. I'm not in AA, but um, one where you take that kind of a moral inventory and then you apologize um, to all the people you feel you've hurt. And I have done AA type groups like Codependence Anonymous and stuff. And I have done that kind of thing in the past for the things I've done. But it was awesome to 
sit through a whole Sunday and take that kind of an inventory and really go, yeah, these are ways in which I've projected on people. These are ways that I've done these things that I'm not, that I do feel badly about. And how many of those people should I apologize to? Not because they don't deserve an apology, but sometimes it's like, okay, well that happened so long ago. Like they probably don't even remember. Like what's, what do I feel important? And most of them I had, which was good. And I, I just was able to do it without this, you know, tremendous um, inability to process it as we should. It made me think of, why did this happen with this person? Obviously, a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with me as to why she behaved this way with me. Does it to her own daughter? Does it to other, had done it to people on another trip that I was told in glee about, and I was sitting mortified listening to the glee at verbally assaulting someone on another trip. And that was, you know, just done to me. But what I, what I thought about was I triggered this person's shame before I ever got mm-hmm. on the plane because I was right. mortified at them talking about how they had done this to someone else. And that was another stamp of there's nothing you could have done. You triggered someone's shame just because of who you are. That's their journey. Right. And it's not my shame to carry. Now, let me ask you a question. If this had happened a year ago, would that, what you just said, uh, would that have been your conclusion or would you have been blaming yourself? I would have blamed myself. So what happened in between then and now that allowed you to escape that bondage Hmm. of self-blame? I think this is, this is important because there's obviously a shift in your thinking and your belief system uh, regarding yourself and your place in the world and in the cosmos uh, that has allowed you to release yourself from that bondage. Right. And, and I would love to know uh, if you can, uh, maybe it's a big question, No, I can, uh, yeah, I I figured out how to articulate it when you and I were on the phone just the other day, but yeah, what I, what I, I would have a year ago, even just a year ago, I, I would have taken on a tremendous amount of blame for it as I do every, as I have in the past always done. And this time Mm -hmm. I, I dipped into that just to examine the situation, but I didn't, um, I really didn't breathe that in, not even the projections of this other person onto me as as their excuse for why they were being so horrible didn't let mm-hmm. that seep in so what i figured out was oh my gosh i um i took a tremendous uh journey of my own towards really proving to myself that i value myself enough that i would practice radical self-care and that those terms get thrown around out there and I always want to roll my eyes at them, but there, I I think it's just because there aren't really words yet to describe it well enough. It's when you, everyone should practice it. And some people are born where they're taught how to do it. I wasn't, and my mother was not. And so I learned to do it as an adult by doing many, many, many things over the course of my lifetime one of them being, you know, working with Martha, being a client of Martha's. And I, when I left a couple of years ago and moved into my own place, there were times that came up along that journey where the sky was falling. My ex-husband was in the mm-hmm. hospital. Um, my mom had, was in the hospital at some point. My dogs, I was told, were going to be put into a foster program or, you know, given to an adoption agency. I mean, just all these um, chicken littles the sky is falling. And I didn't go rescue. I didn't abandon my post at taking care of myself. I went, okay. 
okay, well then the sky will fall. My dogs will have to be adopted. My ex-husband will have to be in the hospital by himself. My mom's going to have this, does that, what, you know, I, and I just, I did not abandon the post of myself and that right. doing that act and really proving what a, how much I really do care about myself and learning how to care about myself gave me such a grounded sense of self-worth and self-value and um, living in the, at the core of myself instead of living through other people or through the actions that you do, all that stuff. It was like, that was when I really realized how much I had taking this time away was me filling my own cup, filling, 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 filling with my own deeds and actions towards myself to where something can happen because I don't care how enlightened you are. Shit happens in your life that's tough <laughs> and <laughs> makes you question, yes, it does. who am I? What am I? It doesn't matter whether you're a gazillionaire or you're right. not. Or like it, That's just part of this journey. But if you don't have this core inside right. of yourself where you know that you're there for you, you're not going to come out of those situations as unscathed, as capable of turning it into a positive. I credit my doing that with me being able to go, you know, eight hours of this person being awake was all it took me to go, I'm out, bye, we're not friends and yeah. I'm going home. I mean, I credit all my ability to do that and and not just that, but also to take that situation and have a healing with my mother and have other great healings happen. You know, my friends call it get out the popcorn time. Whenever I close a book on something that's, you know, unhealthy, they're like, well, good stuff's coming. <laughs> Kristen just closed a big. Yeah. So the situation could have happened in so many different ways, but my ability to squeeze the good out of it get through it, all, everything has changed because of yeah. the time that I take for myself, which proves to me how I feel about myself, which is good. And what, I, what, I'm, what I'm hearing also uh, in all of this is that you uh, abandoned the, the ship of behavior that says, I need to uh, gain my sense of self-worth based on what other people are telling me I should feel about myself. And, and trusting yourself enough and being brave enough to say, you know what, you think what you want to think. I choose to think about myself differently. So take your opinion over there. God bless you. Have a good life. And then be able to walk away and not go, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? Right. You know, I need to go examine all of my faults yet again. <laughs> that is an incredibly brave <laughs> thing to do because we, I think, are trained, um, you know, historically to see ourselves as being inherently faulty. And that yeah. the only way to come to a place of wholeness inside of yourself is to listen to what other people tell you right. you should be looking at instead of going, wait a minute, okay, wait, if I really am this divine being in a body, why am I such a piece of garbage? Right. And it and really, I mean, <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes you're served up things, you're served them up in ways that you can see them. But I guess where I was at was I needed something to be so utterly ridiculous yeah, to, yeah for me to go okay there's just no no way that you can take yeah that behavior and assign it to yourself as you somehow deserved it because it and i don't mean this to put down anyone that um struggles with you know any kind of addiction but it was like okay a violent mean drunk screaming how awful you are to you when they've been tanking it up all day long is not the right. time for you to listen to anything they have to say to you about you. Right. It's like someone sitting right. with a heroin needle sticking out of their arm telling you that you're a horrible person. You just don't. Right. It, it's like it needed to be that 
ridiculous for me to go, oh my, okay, yeah. The thing that I've always done yeah. for other people, that ability yeah. to just cut something off and go, you know what? No, you should, you know, where they've come to me in those situations and my ability to zero in and go, you need to see this as reality. That thing that I've done so many years for other people, I was able to turn it around and be that same good friend to myself and go, you are not even allowed yeah. to digest anything that this person had to say. And I, and feel bad for them because their journey is rough, but you're not digesting one little smidge of it. Even if something right. sounded even remotely true in one tiny bit of a sentence, you are not going to take that on because of the situation. And that was really good. Well, you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like what a loving mother would say to her daughter. Yes. Uh, no, that person is bullying you and is telling you nothing but lies. And I will not stand here and allow you to soak that all in and have that be part of your personal belief system. Absolutely not. You are this, 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 and this. None of those things that that other person, that's what a loving mother would say to her child. Exactly. So you were doing that for yourself and you had the yep. ability to do that. What a, what a wonderful breakthrough. And I, I guess because, listeners... of, you know, I'll yeah. tell you, I'm just want to, I just want to say this about being a loving mother. Um, you know, I can tell you honestly that if anybody went up to either one of my children, even though one of them is gone right now, I'm still, I'm still his mother, uh, and, and tried to treat him or her the way that woman treated you, they would be coming up against me. And I would say, all right, you go over there, you are a mess, go away. And then I would turn to my child and say, she's a liar. She's talking about herself. It yeah. has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And, and you were being that wonderful, loving, kind parent to yourself. Congratulations. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it was great. And it was great to, you know, to have a great talk with my mom, start that journey towards healing again. And my mom do the things that, you know, that when she could stand up for me, um, you know, what, when she was able to do that, to, to remember, because yeah, she was like, give me your phone number. I'm going to gouge your eyeballs out. I'm flying where you are now. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Right. I appreciate that. I really do. And I've got this. So thank you for the support, but I so have this. It was also nice yeah. to be in that place. And, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I, the reason why this is so important, I think, listeners for Martha and I to be talking about it is because we weren't um, raised in environments where we were taught how to care for ourselves. It's, just, it's like, you, oh, like a feral wolf <laughs> out in the woods and you just figure it out as you go along. So when you yeah. have the childhoods that we have had, which were very, yeah. very traumatic, um, and you figure this out an adult, you're really at this horrible disadvantage around other people who did have that kind of a childhood, or at least some of that kind of a childhood, because, you know, they know how to care for themselves and they don't understand why you sort of lag behind quote unquote other people, why you've struggled with depression or why you've struggled with things that the, the way that you have. Well, that's right. how important that stuff is. That's what we're yeah. supposed to do as parents. And we weren't taught it. And so we just sort of schlepped through life, figuring it out, you know, kind of on our own, like most, you know, people do in different ways, but it, it, it becomes this profound thing of awareness when someone else could look at that situation that I was in and go, I would have left in the first two hours and tolerate that kind of crap. You know, it's like, well, yeah. okay. Takes me a little longer. <laughs> But you know what? Why why should that even be an issue? You know, why should that even be an issue? Why didn't you leave right away? What's wrong with you? Didn't you see that that woman was a little on the crazy side? You know, that, again, you know, pointing out something that you were doing, quote unquote, wrong. Right, right. You know, I mean, let me tell you something. The people that I look at in this life as being heroes, I mean, okay, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Yay, Neil Armstrong. Okay. But 
the people that I consider to be heroes are the ones who have learned these things that 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 we're talking about the hard way. You know, nobody taught you how to do this. You figured it out yourself. You. I mean, a lot of people taught me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I taught, yes, I get, you're right. You're right. I did because I did it through making myself go to therapy, go to see you, go to do all the stuff I've done, go. Yeah. It's what you, you, the care you put into yourself as you, you know, you get older and it, it's, you know, yeah. So yeah, you learn it just by scraping, you know, scraping through and, um, but these are the people, you know, people like you who have, who have turned this kind of learning into a full body experience, you know, um, you know, full spiritual experience who have felt the pain of it, who have felt the pain of, of healing and transformation. These are the people that I will listen to because they've been through it. And they can tell me, you know, what what the the dark underbelly of this whole situation looks like. And here's how I managed it. Here's how I did it. You know, I'll, I'll share that with you and, you know, maybe help you walk through it if that's okay. I will listen to these people rather than, you know, uh, the the people with the PhD at the end of their name. No offense to any of you. You're all wonderful. But if it's just coming through book learning, I don't want to hear about it. I want to see the people yeah. with the bloody knees. The people that bleed. Because they're the ones who know. Yeah. And so, I, you know, those are my heroes, you know, the ones who who go through that dark night of the soul and say, no, there's something better on the other side of this. I know there is, and I'm just going to keep going. Right. So, you know, I will say to someone like you, you know, you are one of my heroes because you walked into the, I know what you went through while you were there. <laughs> I know what you went through. Yeah. And you, a bus you to crazy town. You went through it like a champ. And I would, and, and I had said, you know, when, when you were going through that, I wanted to get on a plane and come over there yep. and help you. Yeah. But then I thought, what am I doing? She's got this. It's okay. <laughs> She'll be all right. And, and, and I just sat there and said, okay, you know, and, and you did. Yeah. And that is somebody that I'm going to listen to. Same here. Oh. I, that's, that's why like if someone maybe through those experiences or whatever, you, you start seeing people with with more dimension also and what they're going through and you just stop with, you know, Oh, wow. You know, so-and-so that's, you know, somehow their education or their wealth or their celebrity or whatever shines a light on you or, or rubs off on you because you happen to know them. Um, and somebody finds out about it. And so they think you're better because you know, that person who's a celebrity or whatever. And, it's made yeah. me just really be like, you know, I had somebody get all excited about, um, I slipped and I said someone that I know and they got all excited about it and wanted to ask me more questions. And I said, you know, I don't want to, they're just a normal person. They have a lot of problems and a lot of flaws. They're don't the, they're actually one of the people that would want you to never treat them like anything other than the mailbox delivery person or the, you know, whatever, because right. that's right. I, I wouldn't be friends with that close of friends with someone who behaved that way anyway. So it's just, it's just interesting. And I think, um, I think sometimes people have, uh, you know, wanted me in their life because they have put some sort of projection on who it is they think I am, or they see the company that I have or whatever it is. And it's all, you know, in degrees. And so when I'm not behaving in the manner in which is going to best highlight how they're my friend. Yeah. You hear about it and you hear about it. Yes, in, you do. In not great ways. And you kind of look at them like, I'm just being, I'm just being me. I'm just, you've put a bunch of expectations on me that aren't fair and certainly aren't real. And I didn't sign up for those. Right. So, and you know, 
that that brings us back to my original point about putting people on a pedestal and that everybody almost everybody has the potential to be a healer in in a big way or a small way and you know when you put let's say Deepak Chopra next to the male lady you know you're inclined to think oh I'd rather spend more time with Deepak he's got the inside skinny on all the good stuff Mm -hmm. when that male lady perhaps you know, said, Hey, I, you know, I, I think you're, you're a nice lady. You, you're always very kind to me. Thank you. And I hope everything is going well for you. And all you needed to hear was that. And it, and it maybe brought you back from the brink of something that woman's a healer too. So I don't care if you're famous or you're not famous, you have the potential to be a healer. Right. And you have the potential to heal yourself. It's just a matter of finding it. And, and um, you know, listening to, you know, the shows that you put out on the network, you know, really is teaching people that they can be their own healer. And all you're doing, all I do is help point people in that direction. And that's that's what it's all about. I don't care what your name is. I don't care if if you are a big shot. What is a big shot anyway? You know, I don't care right. how many books you've sold or how many movies, you, whatever. Um, I don't care about that. It All makes... I care about is who are you? Do you know who you are? And are you helping other people? That's it. Exactly. So exactly. It's, it's, it's a great thing. It really is a great thing to be able to see yourself from that perspective. And I'll, I'll so, say, and we'll have to do it on, you know, of course, we'll keep having further on this conversation, but I have to say, you know, I actually feel pain more deeply, hurt, heartache more deeply now than I did before because I'm able to feel it more deeply because I'm not wrapped in so much shame and hatred of myself Yeah, that it, the stuff, you know, that does come up that comes up for everybody. Um, just cause you get through one challenge doesn't mean you're not going to be hit with yet another. Um, yeah, I, I feel it a lot. It hurts more deeply. Yes, and it it's like, I have, I'm having to relearn a whole new way of, of handling my pain and, and being and honoring it and also joy and all those things too. Um, because yeah, there's more room now for me to really feel things, things that I would have tried to avoid like hell before. And also things I couldn't feel as deeply because I was so wounded still. So, yeah, that's right. Well, onward and upward, my friend, that's what I say. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, we will do another one, you know, listeners, we just come up with these kind of as we're going through our stuff in life and we'll have a nugget of information come through and go, that's what we need to focus on on the next show. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. I'm always here. (laughs) Awesome. All right, listeners, thank you for tuning in to The Healing Room with Martha Jiknowski on Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passing 
aggressive but never without good intentions i heat up and act on my emotions thanks so much for listening to mental health news radio our podcast can be found on itunes stitcher and hundreds of other podcast apps or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com if you have a question or would like to be a guest become a podcaster on our network or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promise.